1980, and I was working at Spenco Corporation. Anybody know Spenco? Anybody remember Spenco? It was the old exercise facility where the Y is now. And I was the front coming out from playing. And uh, so I was standing there at the front desk, and there was a guy coming out from playing racquetball and was getting ready to walk out of the door. And the phone rang. I picked up the phone, and I said, thank you for calling Spenco. This is Mark. How may I help you? And when I did, this dude had kind of walked past me, and when I said that, he stopped, and he pointed at me. And I'm still on the phone, and I'm, I'm like, what is this guy doing? This is really strange. And he waited till I hung up the phone, and he said, you're Howard Weibel's son. And I went, yes. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Now, this is 1990. He said, in 1965, I was at TCU. Well, at TCU is a foreign university up north a little bit, uh, where my dad was a professor. And he said, and I had your dad for two classes. And when you said, this is Mark, may I help you? He said, I heard your father's voice. And I knew you were the son of Howard Weibel. Today, our, the session I want to talk about is I want to talk about knowing the voice of the Father. The seminar is discerning the voice of the Father. I think for us to be able to discern the voice of the Father, we first have to know the voice of the Father. So we're going to look at five different questions today. The first question in my session uh, that I want to talk about is, does God still speak? Does he still speak? John chapter 10, you can turn to John chapter 10 in your Bibles if you want. It's on your paper, I'll be, uh, so, so you can use either one. But uh, can we truly expect the Lord to speak to us? Now, I, I want to say this, and I want to set everything in context because we're, we're, we're in a limited time frame to say, okay, we're going to teach everybody everything we know about discerning the voice of the Lord um, in, you know, in the short amount of time that we have. Please understand that there is so much more to this. But, but I, I want us to, to, to just answer the question, can we truly expect the Lord to speak to us? You see, sometimes people feel that God only speaks um, through the Bible or the pastor or through the big people, the Billy Grahams of life. He doesn't really speak to me. Um, and and, and I, you know, I, I think it's important to remember out of 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah is dealing with the Lord and is, is talking with the Lord, the Lord calls him to himself. And then there's the, remember, there's the wind and the fire and the earthquake. And, and God wasn't speaking in those. And then it came a gentle, small whisper. And I think that it doesn't, it doesn't say that God never speaks in the big things never speaks corporately, but in this instance, he didn't speak in the wind, he didn't speak in the fire, he didn't speak in the earthquake, he spoke in a still small voice. And I think that that's kind of where I want to go today is that does God speak huge, you know, over, overarching things? Yes, but does he speak to us individually? So in John chapter 10, it's in starting in verse three, it says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And he's brought, when he's brought out all of those, all of his own, he goes before them and his sheep follow him for they know 
his voice. Now, this is just a little extra, a uh, little blessing, kind of a fun thing. Uh, that word voice, where it says there in verse 4, they know his voice. If you look it up in the word in, in Greek, <laughs> the Greek word is P-H-O-N-E. Phone. It, it's pronounced phone, but it's phone. They hear his phone. They hear his voice. So when you get a phone call and you pull out your phone, think, my sheep hear my phone. God speaks to us individually. So two important things to note in verse 3. First, the word calls. In verse 3 it says, he calls his own by name. To call literally means to call by one's own voice or through the voice of another. So it's very important to understand this, that when Jesus says, my sheep, uh, he calls his own and my, my sheep by name, and he leads them out, he's saying, I use my voice or I can use the voice of another. And that's very important to hear as we move forward that there are times where it's an individual voice, where God speaks individually. Sometimes he uses another person, another voice, another way to speak to us. And then it says um, in, in verse uh, 4, it goes on to say that when he has brought out his own, he goes before them and his sheep follow him for they know his phone, his voice. They know, that word know in Greek is oikos, oikos. It is they belong to his household, belonging to the household or being related by blood. Okay? So, they know his voice. They know because they, are, they belong to his household, they are related by blood. I mean, think of your own household. Think of, think of you know, when you hear somebody come in the back door and you say, who's that? And they call, you know, they can just say, I'm home. You know who it is. Why? Because you are of that household. If I were to walk into your household, you may not recognize your, my voice. But if your spouse or your son or your daughter, your children, whatever, your dad, your mom comes into your house, you know them because you, they are a part of your household. And so this verse is very, very important to understand. It says the sheep hear his voice and he calls them. He calls them because he uses his own voice or, the, or he can use his voice through another. He calls them and when he calls them, he brings them out and he goes before them for they know because they belong to his household or they related by blood, they know his voice. So then we go on down and Jesus continues to talk. And then in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Now that's a different word, no. It's not oikos. This one now is gnosko. You may have heard of that word. It deals with simply this. It literally means intimacy. Remember when it says that Abraham knew Sarah and she bore him a child? That was a PG version of simply saying they had sexual relations and they bore a child. This word gnosko literally means to know intimately as a husband and wife know each other. And so here in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know intimately my own and my own know me intimately. I think probably many of us would say we understand that he knows us intimately. We can all quote, he knows the hairs of our head. We can all quote and say we were formed in, 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 uh, in he formed us in our mother's wombs. He knows our innermost being. He know, we have no problem understanding that he knows us intimately. But there's not a period in verse 14 where he says, I know my own. 
it continues one whole phrase and it says, and my own know me. It doesn't say my own might know me or can know me or should know me or have the possibility to know me. It says my own know me. They are intimate with me. God has gone from, in his word from John chapter 10, verse 3, we know because we're a part of the family. Now in verse 14, we know because we are intimate. We have intimacy with him. You know, that, that, is, that is something that the Lord so desires to have intimacy with him. Then he goes on to verse, uh, in John chapter 10, verse 16, and he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. This speaks of future, future sheep. Who are the future sheep? Come on, what? Me, us, that's us. Jesus is talking about us. He says, it's not only the sheep that are here right now, but it is the sheep who are, I have others that I must bring them also. And what does it say about them? They what? They will listen to my voice. It, it's not an option. This, this whole um, topic of hearing the voice of God, listening to the voice of God, it's not an option. If we are believers in Christ, if we are related, if we are known as in the household of God, we are, we are expected, the expectation is that we will not be, we will be known, but we will also know we will be intimate. We will have relationship with him. We will continue to listen to his phone, his voice, his phone. I, I, I mean, every time I'm going to, you know, I, I wish I could just continue to hold up that phone and just go, look, he is so desiring the intimacy with us that he has even put it in his word that he wants to phone home. He wants to phone a friend. I mean, he, you know, he wants us to phone him, to be on the vo uh, to listen to his voice. If we continue, uh, so in other words, he will continue to speak to his sheep. I speak to them now when he was speaking here in, in John chapter 10, but then he said, I have future sheep and I will continue to do the same. So when people say, well, you know, no, he doesn't speak anymore. Scripture has been canonized, and so therefore he never speaks uh, to us again. I just, I, I, I discredit that. I don't believe that. I believe that God continues to speak to his sheep. He concludes in John chapter 10, this section, what I want to cover, John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. They, they, they hear my phone, they hear my phone, and I gnosko, I am intimate with them, and they follow me. What does, what does intimacy in verse 27, what does it produce? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and what do they do? What's the response? They follow. They follow. That's what it says in verse 3. It starts in verse 3 and concludes in verse 27. So the purpose of God speaking, of knowing the voice of the Lord, is not for us to get puffed up and proud and get a little gold star and say, look, I've heard the voice of God. No, the purpose of us hearing God is what? To follow. He speaks so we can follow. Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever walked through a time where you wish you had direction from the Lord? You ever walk through hardships or make decisions? When you do, God speaks so you will follow. He doesn't speak so that we can just feel good about ourselves. 
but he speaks with the intention for us to follow. So the first question, does God still speak? I contend, yes, he, can till, he still speaks. So the second question, when, when does he speak? Um, does he speak in only the big things? That, you know, who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to get? Um, uh, what, when am I supposed to retire? What house am I supposed to buy? Does he, only, you know, does he only speak in the big things? Or does he speak more frequently? Does he speak daily? Does he speak to us? I want to I put it this way. Think of a relationship. Think of a personal relationship that you have. And think about when it is most successful. And think about when it is least successful. My guess is that it's most successful when you are communicating not only on the big things, but on a daily basis. My wife, Lori, is in the back. What if, after we got married... I said, baby, look, we got a choice. I've, I've got this job offer. Let's pray about that. Let's talk. I'm going to talk with you. And she goes, yeah, I think we should do this. And I said, okay, I took that job. And then five years later, I said, you know what? I think we need to move. And that's the only other time I've ever talked to her in five years. Okay, now, now I think we need to look at buying a house. What do you think? Well, yeah, let's pray. Okay, that's a good idea. So we buy a house. Five years go by. Okay, let's talk again. You see, some of us approach God that way. I'm only going to talk to God. I don't want to bother God about the little things. I'm going to talk to God only about the big things, who I marry, what job I take, where we're supposed to go. But God is saying, no, you know, how would my relationship be with my wife if, that, if I only talked to her about, you know, jobs or, you know, where we were going to go on vacation or whatever? It would not be a very successful relationship, Correct. But when I talk to her, and, and I go back to when, when we were uh, first dating, and I mean, you, I, I can remember, I, I couldn't wait to, to call and tell her about my day. And then once we were first married, when we got home, we would talk about the day, and we would talk about things that had gone on. We talked about dreams and goals and visions. We talked about, and we had children, and we talked about children, and we talked about children's issues, and we just continually communicated. When I would be gone on trips, I would call home. We would communicate on a daily basis. You know what that does? That fosters relationship. And so when does God speak? God's desire is to be intimate and be involved intimately with us, with every detail in our lives. He wants us to communicate with him. Why do we do this? Why do we, why do, why do we relate this way? Because we were built to be relational beings. You remember in the garden, we were created from the garden. Man was not good to be alone. And then it says that he created woman. And when he created woman, it says, and they had fellowship in the garden with God. God's desire says, and he came walking in the cool of the evening, as was his custom. He and Adam and Eve would, would dialogue. And so I think it's important to understand is this my phone going off? Oh, okay. My bad. I, I thought, hmm, okay. But it's important to understand that we are created. We are created for communication. And God desires to be as intimate with us as we will allow him to be. I, I mean, that just needs to sit on us. God will be as intimate with us as we will allow him to be. No matter the day, no matter the situation, God wants to communicate with us. 
If you remember in Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah, the king looks at him and said, why are you so sad? And it says, I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. In other words, it was so natural in a hardship situation for Nehemiah just to simply say, I said a prayer and I said to the king. Things like that ought to be so um, easily flowing out of us that in any situation we can say, oh Lord, I need your help and I need to speak. And that we hear his voice and we can trust him. Moses spoke continually with the Lord. Saul, who became Paul, spoke with the Lord. Uh, Daniel, Joseph, David, the prophets. God has been speaking to individuals throughout all of history. Hearing his voice is about daily practice. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 I think is a very, very important scripture. Solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That word senses literally means the facility or the ability of the mind in perceiving, understanding, and judging. You ever need to perceive things? You ever need to understand things? You ever need to have good judgment in things? This word senses, it says, because of practice, they have had their senses, their ability to perceive, understand, and train. They've had their senses trained and that word trained, you see if you recognize this word, gymnasio. Does that sound like anything that is in training? G gymnasium, we get that word, gymnasium. That word trained means to exercise vigorously. So it says, who because of practice have their senses, their ability to perceive, understand, and judge, vigorously trained to discern good and evil. That's in the NASB. In the, in the ESV, it says, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let me ask you this. Are we training daily? Are our senses being trained daily to hear the voice of the Lord? And let me just tell you, I, I was a coach by trade. And when we would go out to practice, let me ask you this. I was a basketball coach. So let me ask, when, when, when we went out, if a kid shot and missed, did I just, do you think I looked at him and said, you're done, sit down, you missed it, forget it. You're not a part of the team anymore. If I did that, how long would it be before I didn't have a team anymore? Uh, about five minutes. Everybody's going to miss shots, right? But so many times people will step out and say, I'm going to trust, I'm going to hear the Lord. And then they blow it, they miss it, and they go, well, I'm never doing that again. And they pull back. You see, there's a training aspect in this knowing the voice of the Lord. And so I want to I speak that to us to let us understand that God wants to speak. He is speaking, and it is up to us to have our senses trained. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But I will tell you that it's not an easy process because there's flesh involved. There's voices involved that are influential. There's patterns involved, that, things like that. But it, it doesn't mean that we don't train ourselves in this. It means that we continue to train. And if we miss, we get back up. We seek correction. That's why it's important that we do life together. And we get back in and we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to speak to me on this instance. Okay? So by, by constant training, this is something that goes on. Okay. So third thing. We've learned, first of all, God still speaks. Number two, he wants to speak as often as we're willing to listen. Third thing, what are the conditions for God speaking? Um, some of the later sessions are going to deal with the preparedness of the heart and sin and all these different things. I just had one word that I want to speak about, and that is earnestness. 
The condition for God speaking, I believe, is earnestness of our own hearts. How much do we really desire to hear the Lord? Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You know, do we really desire? Is that our heart's desire? Do we really want to hear from the Lord? A, a healthy desperation enables us to hear God. And when everything else pales in comparison to hearing from him, and I'll just tell you, it, it takes work. It takes work. God is speaking. Are we listening? Sometimes it's just too much work. Sometimes what he says is too hard to hear. I can remember where, where God has told me to go and make uh, amends with someone or go and make a confession to someone. That's, that's hard. I, I, you know, speak to me, Lord. You know, oh, speak to me, Lord. Oh, wait, I, don't, I didn't want to hear that one. I don't, uh, sometimes what he says is too hard. Sometimes it requires me to do something that I don't want to do. But most often, and this is what I find, most often I don't trust my own ability to hear the Lord. I, I trust the pastor. I trust the televangelist. I trust this person. I trust, but I, me, I mean, I know my inner being. I know my own struggles. I, I can't hear the Lord. And the Lord is speaking and saying, yes, you can. That's the purpose of today. What, what are some helps to hear his voice? These are some things that I have found to be helpful in hearing the voice of the Lord. Number one is know God's word. Um, God will never, that were dating and uh, had found out they were having, struggling, well, they, they weren't struggling, they were being uh, physically active, sexually active, and I w was talking to them, and, and they said, oh, I, I said, what do, you, you know, what do you think the Lord thinks about this? And they said, oh, listen, we pray every time before we do this, and if the Lord says don't, we don't do it. But if the Lord doesn't say don't, then we feel okay about doing it because we love each other. And I said, okay, well, let me tell you this. According to the word, he says don't. So you don't even need to pray about that one anymore. He has said don't, so don't, okay? But see, here, that, that's the thing is sometimes people don't know the word of God. We, you want to know the word of God. God will speak to us through his word, and anything he speaks to us must be compared to that word. If it con runs contrary to the word of God, it must have been the bad pizza that we ate that's speaking to us, okay? The other thing is you got to know God's character. I know that sometimes, you know, that the, the people will say, oh, I got a word from the Lord, and, and, and I've been told how terrible and how horrible a person I am. God's nature and God's character is not one of condemnation. It's one of conviction, but not condemnation. And so we must know the character of God. And so when we hear uh, something and we hear a voice, these are the way that you have things trained, uh, have your mind trained, your senses trained. It, it's, it's when you hear something, you say, number one, does it match the word? And number two, does it match the character of God? The third way that I believe a help in hearing the voices of the Lord is submit it to or be accountable to or seek wise counsel of others. Submit it to others, be accountable to others, seek wise counsel of others. And so uh, if there's something that's going on and, I, and I, I, I say, okay, it hits the word and, and, and it fits God's character, I, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to submit it to some brothers or sisters, whoever that I'm fellowshipping with, maybe my CG, maybe my ABF, maybe my Bible study, maybe my subgroup somewhere. I'm going to submit it to them and say, does this, does this fit right? Does this seem like God to you? So those are some helps in hearing God's voice. 
How do we prepare to hear God's voice? Um, I, there, it, it's really all about clean, hand, clean heart and hands, and there's going to be more about that in the next uh, couple of sessions. But I have said we need to assume three things. Number one, p- uh, our posture. Our posture needs to be a posture of humility. Um, we need to be humble before the Lord. Lord, I'm coming before you. And not, that doesn't mean mealy mouth. That just means I come humbly before you. Second, uh, we need prayer. The the voice of the Lord often comes during seasons of prayer, not just a quick prayer, but Lord, it it takes some time where we have to sit before the Lord and pray and really listen. You realize prayer is more than just telling God your needs. Prayer is listening to what God has to say as well. And then the third thing, and this one is there's a ton of flexibility, is is place. Where where does God speak? Um, I, I tell you, for me, God speaks to me in my car. When I turn off the radio and turn down the phone and everything like that, and I just, and I drive and I say, Lord, and it's like when I, if I'm, especially if I'm on a long drive going from, you know, Waco to Dallas or something like that, I turn off the radio and I just, I just say, Lord, speak to me. And I just allow things to happen. Maybe it could be in your office. The Lord has done that. There have been times where I've just t- taken the phone off the hook, turned out the lights in my office, and I've just sat and I've said, Lord, speak to me. Sometimes he speaks when I'm lying on my bed at night or waking up in the morning. He will speak to me. The, the thing is, is that it doesn't have to be the same spot every time. But there, I can tell you that there are times where I look forward to getting in my car and making a, a two-hour drive because I know that I can avail myself of listening to the Lord. So find your spot. Where is it that the Lord would speak to you? We know that God still speaks. He speaks as often as we're willing to listen. We know that there are some conditions that he's had. Why does he speak? Um, Myriad of reasons. God will speak to us individually about our own personal things, but I really believe that his agenda is others and their growth in the kingdom of God. I think that when God speaks to us, many times he speaks uh, on behalf of others. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, uh, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched carefully. So these prophets are prophesying beforehand about something coming in the future, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating. When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. Are you willing to listen to the voice of the Lord to hear for other people? You know, so many times, if we can do that, where we say, Lord, speak, and if God gives us something, that we, we are others motivated and we give out to other people. He will speak to for our own benefit, yes, but I, I'm, not, I'm not here to cover that right now. Finally, in my last few moments here together, how does he speak? Um, number one, I've, I've said he always, in speaks, he always speaks in line with the word of God. We submit ourselves, and James, uh, James is going to talk more about that. He, he does speak through others. That's why we submit ourselves uh, to others. But, but for me, uh, he speaks through what I call promptings or holy nudges, okay? Um, I, I want to I put this before you. This was, if there was one thing that I felt like the Lord really spoke to me as I sat and listened was this next phrase, voice. Um, I'll give you the, exa- the example. There's no random thoughts when you're seeking the Lord and listening to his voice. So um, when, I, when I'm driving and I'll say, Lord, just speak. And I'll be driving along, and all of a sudden, somebody will pop into my mind that I haven't thought about in five, six, ten years, whatever. I used to just go, that's weird. I since have learned 
the Lord wants me to do one thing. He wants me to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to pray for them? You want me to call them? What do you want me to do? And I cannot tell you the number of times where the Lord has just simply put somebody into a little holy nudge and, and um, I've called and I've said, hey, the Lord puts you on my mind. How are you doing? What can I pray for you about? And what's really funny is last night as I was reviewing this, now I've, I've discipled some guys in this. I've, I've really kind of been one of the things that is really important to me is for people to get this and understand that the, if, if the Lord speaks to you, put somebody's name on, on your heart, do something about it. Last night I was reading this very line and my phone rang. And it was a guy that used to be on staff here named Trent Henderson. And Trent said, you know, I was driving, which I always say, I'm, for me, I'm, he said, and I was just talking to the Lord and the Lord put you on my heart. And I just wanted to call and say, how you doing? And I said, bingo, that's it. You see, that's the other's focus that God is looking for. He wants to speak to us. He wants that intimacy with us. He wants us to have the ability to hear his voice, to trust that, and then to simply put it into action. Some of you may know I've been having some heart issues, some health issues. And uh, this past week was a challenging week for me. My, I was exercising at D1 and my defibrillator went off and kind of, whoa, and um, saw stars and all kind of stuff. So I uh, went to the doctor and they read this thing and said, oh, your heart rate was 261 beats a minute and it's not a good thing and we need to do this and now you need to come to this doctor and you got to go do this. And I, I, you know, all of this stuff, it was like, wah, 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 wah. And I went to Providence Hospital, got everything done that needed to be done. And I was walking out and I walked by the chapel and I, I said, I'm going to go in there and just sit. So I went in there and I sat down and I just began to talk to the Lord. But more importantly, I began to listen to the Lord. Cause you see, I, I hate weakness in myself. And I felt like I'm falling apart. I'm falling apart. What's going on? And I'm, and I started rehearsing all of these things that were bad. And the Lord just said, shh. He said, I want you to do one thing. You want the, you want the RX for this? You want the prescription? I said, yeah, I want the prescription. He said, I want you to develop a grateful heart. So I began to reflect. I said, okay, all right. And I began thanking the Lord. And pretty soon I was lifted. And I got in the car and I'm driving down Waco Drive. <laughs> and I'm driving by a place where I've done some business before. And the Holy Spirit nudge just said, pull in and tell them thank you for your service to me. So I pulled in, walked in, let me speak to the owner. I just am here to say thank you. Well, he's not in right now. Okay. I called him. Just said, I just want to let you know I am thankful for the way you have taken care of my needs for your business. He said, well, thank you so much. That just means so much. Period. Holy Spirit nudge. Develop a, for me, it was develop a grateful heart. Tomorrow, it may be something different, but you have to put yourself in the position of listening to the Lord. I put before you one more time, there are no random thoughts. If the Lord drops something in your heart, in your spirit, act on it. Thank you so much. I think at this time, what we want to do is around the table. Janet, what are we supposed to uh, dis discuss and share? 
What stood out to you from what I just shared? Anything, anything strike a chord with you uh, that I just shared that you can share with everybody else at your table? You got a few minutes to do that. Ready? So I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 7. If you want to make a note of this, Jeremiah 7, 23 and 24. God says, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey, nor incline their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. So again, this is Jeremiah 7, 23 and 24. How many of you have heard the counsel, just follow your own heart? Do what your heart tells you to do. That is such bad advice. Because we, we are naturally have evil hearts by nature. And of course, the Lord changes our hearts. Praise the Lord for that. But we need to incline our ears to the Lord's counsel and follow his voice, not follow the dictates of our own hearts. So, Lord, we ask, would you open our ears and soften our hearts to hear and receive your word to us again? Now, this is uh, James Poole and... He suggested we all stand for a minute as he comes up, just to stretch. So stand up, do a couple of calisthenics, gym. We're going to do gym for a minute. Too bad Mark's at the back and can't lead us. And the people all said, amen, and let's be seated. I appreciate so much hearing from Mark today. And Mark, you did a great job just sharing God's word with us. Just want to affirm you and thank you. And I want to say to all of us here not to be discouraged because Mark has been listening to God for a long time. And so his time in the car has been there for years. And if you were saying, oh, boy, I don't hear God exactly like that. It's okay, all right? Just want to let you know that. You know, when we're born into the kingdom of God, we're like little children. And hearing God's voice is challenging at first. It's sort of like a, a dad picking up his newborn saying, come on, son, I'm going to put you in the car. We're going to go to the grocery store, and we're going to buy some steak. And I'm going to come home and cook steak for you. And the little child understands not a word of that but he knows it's his dad's voice. And over time, what happens? As he grows familiar with the voice of his dad, and as he's hungry for steak, boy, when dad says that, he's in the car. He's ready to go because he understands the words. He understands the concepts. And so learning to hear God's voice, sometimes it's a process of just maturing in our walk with Jesus, getting familiar with the voice of this one we love, uh, knowing dad's voice, like Mark so clearly pointed out. Now, I hope to be very practical in the time that I have with you. This is a wonderful thing that we're exploring today, and it's so important for the kingdom of God today, just as uh, was described by Yannick when we got started, for all of us to understand God's voice and know what he's saying at this particular hour in all of our lives because these are critical days. We're praying for revival and spiritual awakening in this land. 
We're praying that the church of God would be revived and the church of God in being revived must come to the place where we individually and corporately hear the voice of God in order to know what he wants to do in reviving us, changing us, putting us on track with him in order to be able to then be that salt and light and witness to a world that desperately needs to hear about Jesus, we need to hear the voice of God to know where to go, what to say, what to do. So all this is so critical. It's so important for this time, and I appreciate Riven and Yanit putting this on the calendar and planning this time, and I'm glad you're here. Not sure what God did, what he spoke to you to get you here today, but this is critical. No matter if you're a senior adult or if you're a college student or younger, God wants us to hear his voice well. Let's ask him to just speak to us powerfully right now, could we? Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would speak to us powerfully through your word. Help us to understand this very important aspect of being your children. Help us, just as Mark pointed out, that to understand this is the dynamic of a love relationship with you. And may we all leave this place today having felt and sensed your presence, having heard from you in a clear way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask Reuben if he would come forward and Mark if he'd come forward. Carl, would you come forward too? Would you bring a friend with you? Grab a friend. And I want you guys to line up with Reuben over here to my far right. And then in between Carl, Mark, Carl right here with a friend. Now, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to uh, Nehemiah, if you would. Nehemiah chapter 2. And let's look at verses 11 and 12 real quickly for just a moment. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Again, we're trying to be very practical. How does it work where the Spirit of God speaks to us and talks to us? And in verse 11 it says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I are what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. What does that say as far as God speaking to us? He said, I didn't tell anybody what God was putting in my mind. And many times today, we don't hear an external voice. Now, that's happened in Scripture. It's been like thunder at times, and people have heard and recognized that as the voice of God. Something miraculous has happened to get their attention. But like Nehemiah, many times today, God puts in our minds that which he is speaking to us. And what we have to learn to do is discern his voice from our own and from all those other things that go through our minds. Our minds get pretty cluttered, don't they? Very cluttered. And so we've got to learn in a very practical way how to recognize or discern God's voice when he's speaking. Now, if you take out the blue sheet that you have on your tables with an illustration on the top part, White, I'm sorry, yes. White sheet with blueprint. There you go. All throughout Scripture, it's very clear, New Testament as well as Old, that 
the triune God has communicated well with one another. I mean, all throughout the history of our knowing God, there's been great communication between God the Father, Reuben, God the Son, Mark, and God the Holy Spirit. And their, would you agree their communication has always been perfect? Everything you've read, everything you've seen, it's been perfect. Now, it's really exciting also to see in Scripture uh, these passages about Jesus describing that intimate relationship he had with the Father. In John 5, 19 through 20, it says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And y'all just stay close. I like that. There's a tight relationship here, isn't there, between the Father and the Son. And out of a love relationship, the Father shows the Son everything that he's doing. Now, here's what Jesus also said in John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. And so Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he said, I have such a close relationship with the Father that he initiates everything, and I don't speak anything except what he tells me to speak. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> now, how about the Holy Spirit over here, the other part of the Godhead? There you are. In John 16, verse 13, it says this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he'll disclose to you what is to come. And he's talking about Jesus passing on to the Holy Spirit what he's heard. So the way it works in a very practical, real way the Father speaks to the Son, and the Son speaks to the Spirit. Now, where does the Spirit of God live? <laughs> These guys are all clowns, and they're having too much fun. <laughs> no, I love it, actually. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us. He lives in us. So, Carl, would you join hands? Or just lock arms with Brooks, okay? The Holy Spirit lives in Brooks. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? He lives in you and me. The Holy Spirit is God, is he not? Okay. He has perfect communication with the Son, right? And the Son has perfect communication with the Father. Therefore, the Spirit has perfect communication with the Father. And you sort of see that in that diagram. You see the cloud. And you see there's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and those arrows indicate perfect communication between the two of them. And then Jesus communicates with the Holy Spirit perfectly. Now, here is how the church is supposed to function in a very practical, real way. There's somebody out here today. Would somebody... I'm just going to... Let's have an imaginary person, 
okay? There's somebody seated among us today. And this week was a very trying week. Let's pick a student. Somebody raise your hand as a student. I'm going to let you be our person. Okay. She's our person. Would you stand up? Okay. Tell her about your name. I'm Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Sarah's a student. Graduate student. Okay. Now, students are not known to have lots of money. And so when emergency happened, circumstances out of control, she had four flats this week. Okay? Four flats. And that can happen. As a, as a little kid, I found a bunch of shingle nails at the church I attended, and I, I dumped them out in the street across from the house that was babysitting me. And that neighbor had four flats. <laughs> and came over and told the person that was babysitting me, and boy, was I challenged. I didn't get in trouble except for the father, <laughs> and I realized I shouldn't have done that. So terrible circumstance because some kid put nails in the street behind where you park, okay? I'm so sorry, Sarah, that happened to you. Okay, now, she cries out to God because where is she going to get the money to buy four new tires, to get them, get them repaired even? I mean, totally messed up, nails all through them. What's she going to do? That's an emergency situation, is it not? So she begins to cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I, I don't even know who to call. I mean, here I am stuck. I've got to get to class. I'm stuck. What do I do? And she just begins to cry out to God in prayer. Does that make sense? You would do the same thing, wouldn't you? Yes. You, you and this is just a minor challenge compared to some that you here in this room have faced, is it not? Death, illness, life-threatening challenges. She begins to cry out to God. Now, what's exciting is that the Holy Spirit lives in her. Okay? Just like he lives in Brooks. Okay? Pretty exciting, huh? Okay? Now, I'm going to let you have a dual, Holy Spirit's everywhere. I mean, he could be holding your arm, right? He is holding your arm right now. So Carl, would you go back and hold her arm? Okay. Holy Spirit's there. Now, the Holy Spirit hears this prayer, does he not? Okay. He's there with her. Now, God hears this prayer as it goes up to him. And God has an answer. I'm not sure what it is right now. <laughs> it may involve you or me are Brooks, okay? So what do you think needs to happen? Does Sarah need some help? What would you recommend somebody doing for Sarah today, God? I'm putting him on the spot. This is all impromptu, y'all. Give me your wallet, Steve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so... and. And where is Steve? Does Steve need to find her? How, how do they need to encounter? I mean, what? you stay there, God. You're in heaven. Holy Spirit. No, no, you talk to Jesus. Tell Jesus what to do. Okay, now what he just said was to have Steve go by, see the need, and give her the money to take care of getting these tires fixed and help her. Okay? Use the phone A. Use the phone A. Okay, now you... You just go back and speak to the Holy Spirit and tell the Holy Spirit what you ought to do. 
Okay, Carl, would you go? Would you go to Steve? Okay. Okay. Now he directs Steve, whom he lives inside. Does that make sense? And so he brings Steve in contact with Sarah, who has a real need. Okay, and so here is Steve who's driving along, and he sees Sarah with four flats. He said, my soul, I've never seen anything like that. That's horrible. So he stops his vehicle and gets out and begins to help her figure out what to do, even offers to put her on his donkey, so to speak. Remember the Good Samaritan? <laughs> and say, I'll take you to class, honey, you know, uh, and I'll help take care of your car, getting it fixed. Because God had a plan, yeah, God had a plan for Sarah, spoke it to Mark, who spoke it to the Holy Spirit, who spoke it to Steve, one of God's children, who then ministered to Sarah. And all the while, Holy Spirit, can you come back with Brooks? All the while, he's here with Brooks, loving him and encouraging him just like he does with us. What a mighty God. And that all happens when everybody in this cycle of communication that you find in a love relationship listens. And if we don't listen, this wonderful ministry that Steve just offered to Sarah never happens. Never happens. God loves you. And how many times have you cried out to him and he very wonderfully and graciously met your need? Many times as he passed it on to Jesus and Jesus spoke then the plan to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life prompted them to see your need and to meet your need. That's pretty exciting. And all the while, can you go back to Sarah, Holy Spirit? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And all the while, join arms with her. And all the while, you know what he's doing? He's speaking words of comfort into Sarah's heart. He's saying, from the, from the Father, I love you. I care for you. And all of a sudden, she, she sees it. She feels it. She hears it. She says, oh, yes, God, you are a loving God because you heard my cry and you've taken care of my need. Does that picture make sense to you? Okay. Let's give these a big hand. Good job. Thank you, Brooks. Thank you. Now, that's the way we are to live the Christian life. That is exactly the way God set up Christianity. I'm so appreciative of the fact that Mark brought out the fact that that word gnosko means an intimate love relationship. One of my favorite verses now is John 17, 3, where Jesus explained what eternal life is. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And he used that word gnosko. Now, the other word for know is oida in Greek. And that's simply head knowledge. 
That's simply just having head knowledge. And a lot of people are depending on only Oida knowledge of God today instead of relational knowledge. But when we enter into a love relationship where there's communication, where we are listening to God and speaking to God as his children, then everything explodes. Why is the church not experiencing this dynamic movement of God today in the United States? You know why it is? We have quit listening. We're no longer in the type of intimate relationship with the Father where we have the kind of intimacy that enables us to recognize His voice and do what He's telling us to do. Now, always through the history of the church, Old Testament and New, God has used this same pattern of communicating over and over and over again. In Numbers chapter 11, and you can turn there if you wish, uh, verses 16 through 29, it's a key passage where Moses actually explains how the Holy Spirit spoke through him. You know, if you read the Pentateuch, and I've gone back and I've marked all the passages in the Pentateuch where there's communication between God and man. And there's tons of references. And what you see all throughout the first five books of the Old Testament, which Moses compiled and wrote, it says, And God spoke to Moses, saying, And God spoke to Moses, saying, Over and over and over again, Moses is writing out how God communicated all that scripture to him. And many times it was not just doctrine. We think, oh, well, God was just giving us doctrine through Moses. No, he was doing exactly what we just saw happen here. And it was the Spirit who was involved. If you would look with me over in uh, Numbers 11, starting in verse 16, says, The Lord therefore said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will, listen to this closely, I will take of the Spirit, capital S, who is upon you, and will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you shall not bear it alone." What you had back then was one man, Moses, with the Spirit of God. And if you read the verses prior to this, he said, this is too much, God. It's overwhelming to me because God the Father was speaking to the Son, even back then in the Old Testament, and speaking to the Spirit and the Spirit of God who was upon Moses was speaking to him exactly what to do, and the burden was too great for one man. And Moses complained and said, I just can't handle this. And said, God said, okay, I'll give you 70 others. And they will have my spirit upon them. And there were some that weren't even present when this happened at the tent of meeting, a couple of other guys. And God put his spirit upon them, those two other men, as they were away from this group. And they began to prophesy. They began to speak the words of God, encouragement, help, what God was speaking to them to say. And 
there were some young people that heard this and they reported it to, and it eventually got back to Moses as a complaint. And he said, oh no, this is, this is not a bad thing. This is a great thing. And Moses' comment was, I wish that everyone would prophesy, that everybody would have the ability to speak what God is saying to them. Well, guess what? We're now living in a holy, glorious time where when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he pours forth the Holy Spirit upon us. And the Holy Spirit that spoke to all the prophets, the Holy Spirit that enabled them to hear a message from God the Father to the Son to the Spirit who spoke to them, and they then spoke out. You see that line in this illustration of that line going straight out toward the people? They were able to prophesy and speak the Word of God to others. And what was that word? It was encouragement. It was direction as God gave that. And most of the time... Well, as I was just preparing for this, it sort of had just a, an overwhelming thought. And it was a thought that if we look in Scripture at the Holy Spirit and see what He does in Scripture, all of it involves communication to us. But where does it come from? Well, it came from God the Son, who got it from God the Father. Father. And so I want us to take just a few minutes and look over very quickly what you have listed before you. The Holy Spirit speaks that which Jesus gives him to say. And here are 14 areas that are very clearly delineated in Scripture where God speaks through the Holy Spirit into your life and my life. And so these are just, and this probably isn't a totally inclusive list. I'm sure there are many things that he says and does. But here's just a, a list. I'm going to go over it quickly. And then we have an exercise I've designed for you at your table. So let me just go over this. I want to read it so you can get familiar with it. And then we can uh, and move on to our exercise. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us the words we need to testify of Christ at the very time we need them. From Matthew 10. Remember how the disciples were concerned? And Jesus said, listen, you're going to be persecuted for my sake. You're going to be put in prison for my sake. But don't worry. Because the Holy Spirit will give you when, in that very hour, what you are to say. Number two, he teaches us all things and helps us remember the words of Christ. Very clearly stated in John 14, 26, where he, he helps us to remember what Christ has spoken. John 16, 7, he comforts and helps people. Because in that passage in John 16, 7, let's turn to that one, okay? Turn your Bibles, if you would, to John 16, 7. It says, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, or paraclete, paracletos, shall not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And what does the word paraclete mean? The one who comes alongside to do what? To help, to help or to comfort. And so some translations will even put that in there as helper or comforter. And so the Holy Spirit living in you will speak to you 
what you need to do to comfort Sarah. Does that make sense? A commonly often repeated circumstance of the Holy Spirit using you in the body of believers as a comforter or helper. So what the Holy Spirit is, He speaks to you. And you then carry that out in ministry. Okay, number four, He convicts people of what? Righteousness and? And He does that many times when He's calling somebody to be saved. But guess what? The Holy Spirit may want to do that through you. He may want to speak to you and say, you need to go talk to your neighbor. And so all of a sudden, as you're talking to your neighbor about Jesus, a person who's lost, who's never met Jesus, then all of a sudden, that person is very much convicted of sin. And the Holy Spirit has used your voice. He's used your, your ministry to that person because he prompted you to go talk to that person. I've got a good friend. His name is Kyle Martin. I'd love for him to, to meet all of you or for you to meet him. He is the, the best example of a biblical evangelist I've ever met. He lives in Dallas, and I love watching him because he just lets the Spirit guide him all the time. First met him at a meeting in Chicago, and it was a meeting on revival. And during the break, the coffee break, instead of hanging around the, you know, the dessert dishes, you know where he was? He was out on the street witnessing to some guys different socioeconomic background than his. God just prompted him, you go out and you share with these guys. And so he had them, two guys sitting around him, and he was just telling them about Jesus. That's what we're missing, church. I want that in my life more and more and more all the time. That kind of presence of the Holy Spirit where he can accomplish this through me. And he speaks to us and says, you need to be my voice. And you go talk to this person about this very thing. And then number six, or number uh, five, he guides us into all the truth. We have questions about what is right, what's wrong. Guess who's there to help us understand? Holy Spirit. And he'll take us into the word of God. And he'll show us passages to help us understand what is truly right and what is not of God. Number six, he gives us direction by disclosing us that which is to come. And this is one of my favorite verses now, John 16, 13. He shows us that which is to come. We don't know what to do about who to marry. Do we buy this car? Do we buy this house? Do we sell the boat? Do we start this ministry that I'm so burdened about? and concerned about, the Holy Spirit reveals to us that which is to come. We sort of expect our pastors to have that kind of hearing, don't we? But do you realize in every one of our hearts, there's a Holy Spirit who knows that which is to come? Why? Because he hears it from Jesus, who hears it from the Father. The Father may have something very special for you. How many are engaged in Christian ministry? 
Okay, would y'all stand? Those who are engaged in Christian ministry. Okay. I know everybody, not everybody. I'm, I'm talking about specific ministry. Y'all had a great idea. All of you are ministers. You're great. Look around you, okay? And just y'all, y'all, you guys who stood first, stay standing, okay? What are you doing for God? How did you know to do that? Isn't that cool? Okay. Now, before there was ever a ministry like that, he may have put it on some other people's hearts, connected you. I mean, he did a lot of things probably to get that message in your heart, didn't he? The two of you, to have that there. But who was doing that? Who was setting them up to be engaged in this type of ministry? Holy Spirit. And see, every one of you guys have like stories of how the Spirit of God at some point began to speak to you and started something that was yet to come. Y'all be seated if you would. Thank you. And it's not just Christian ministry. It's everything. Everything. That which is yet to come is what the Holy Spirit specializes in. He specialized in Carl's going to Sarah. It was yet to come. He specialized. So like Mark said, all of a sudden somebody pops into my mind. And I pray for them. That might be something that's yet to come. And what is coming out of it is that you're sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, what he put in your mind, in your heart, and you start praying. And then he keeps speaking. And all of a sudden, there's a ministry in Africa. That's exciting. Now, all of you could share like stories. Thank you for letting me pick on you guys. But this is exciting, is it not? Okay. I get bogged down just thinking about how cool these things are. So let's quickly go through this, if we could. Uh, and again, direction is so important in what the Holy Spirit gives us. Verse number seven, he gives us the power to be Christ's witnesses at home and abroad, Acts 1.8. He calls us and gives us ministry assignments, okay, Acts 13, 2. He testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Oh, we need that assurance, don't we? He gives that. 10, he helps us understand who we are in Christ. A lot of questions. Holy Spirit speaking to you and helping you to understand that, showing you scripture. He gives us the words to exalt Jesus. A lot of our praise comes from the spirit within us. Did you know that? <laughs> showing us how to exalt and magnify the Lord. He manifests a variety of spiritual gifts within us for the edification of the body of Christ. He's speaking all that into our hearts, giving us that burden, that concern to, to be a person of mercy, to share that mercy with someone, to be a, somebody who gives liberally to a ministry to help it keep going. Somebody has has supported that work in Africa because they heard God's voice who said, support this ministry. And they gave, which is pretty exciting to see the church function that way. And then verse number 13, he gives us the power to not carry out the desire of the flesh. Victory over sin comes when the spirit within us says, stop. Don't do that. 
that's not of the Father. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you can hear that. Guess what happens if we are grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit? We grieve Him by sin. Makes it hard to hear. If our relationship, that intimacy, is interrupted because we've chosen to sin, many times the Holy Spirit will talk to us and we get our hearts hardened. You're reading Scripture about people getting their hearts hardened? You know what happened? They just kept sinning to the point where it's hard for them to hear the voice of the Spirit. And God said, okay. And there were some in Corinth who were weak and sick, and some died prematurely because they quit listening to the voice of God. And God said, okay, just come on home. You're not going to be my vessel anymore. You're going to quit listening to me. You're going to quit being filled with me, then just come on home. And that happens because we have a loving Father who loves us and His reputation is at stake in us, the vessels of His Holy Spirit. God's a real God. Number 14, He produces within us the kind of fruit that reflects the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of this takes faith to believe what you hear from God is real, and then to act. And that's how the kingdom has progressed to this moment. It's because there are men and women before us who heard the voice of God and had the faith to act. Would you take a few minutes at your tables? And um, you might want to partner up with somebody at your table or groups of three or two. Look up, if you would, at the bottom of the page, Exodus 15, 24 to 26, Acts 8, 25 to 29, and Acts 10, 19 and 20. And just think about which numbers may apply to that listed above. In other words, what's the Holy Spirit doing in these settings? Is he giving direction? Is he giving comfort? Is he speaking that which is to come? What is the Holy Spirit speaking in these settings here? Let's discuss that for just a few minutes, and then you'll meet. We'll be back up in just a moment. We'll take a break.